Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey y'all, got another throwback episode for you. This is one of our early color episodes and listening back through got us inspired to do another color related episode in the near future. Could it be yellow, pink, green? Let us know what color you'd like to hear about. For now, enjoy our episode on the color purple originally released September 13th, 2016. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Natalie. I'm Ginny. And I'm Jen. And we are the Art History Babes. Uh, today we are diving in to the color purple. Wow, you know what's funny? I just realized that I just rewatched the color purple just the other oh, night. Dang. Um, you know, that's a great movie, you guys. If you haven't seen the color purple, watch the color purple. It's a book, too, right? It's a book. Yeah. The book is um like a it's kind of laid out like a diary Mm -hmm. but yeah the movie danny glover all right oprah goldberg yeah i mean you can't be mad then yeah it's so amazing because now we're actually talking about purple and there's a really good line in the movie where she says you know i think god must get mad when people walk by the color purple without even noticing it Oh, that's oh, nice. Yeah. 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 Is that where the title comes from? Or are there yeah, that's where, the ti- that's where the title comes from. Oh, I think that fits in very nicely. It really? Of our stuff. Yeah. It really does. Yeah, because you know what? That, uh, something about purple, man, it's it, it just draws you in. Yeah. It's a rather ethereal color, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. And as you will learn uh, by the end of this episode, a lot of connections with spirituality and God and such things. So we might as well just dive into it. Okay, so purple. Much like um, in our color theory episodes, we're going to kind of start with, I guess, like the science-y side of things a little bit. We're going to talk about uh, the light spectrum and how that relates to the color purple. So, Natalie. All right. So um, just to start off, I want to differentiate a little bit between purple or, I mean, and obviously these are all names that we've given the way that we interpret colors, but purple as the composite color between red and blue. So you think kind of on the color wheel and then violet as a spectral color. So on the rainbow. So those are kind of two different variations of what we think of as purple and just understanding the difference between mixing colors or as it appears to us through light. So violet as a spectral color is actually the color that has the most powerful, is the most powerful wavelength. What that kind of means is If you get into science and physics and whatnot, and you're looking at wavelengths, it goes basically from 
microwaves to gamma rays just in size. Oh. <laughs> Someone's <laughs> driving by, blasting their tunes. Yeah. Rarity. Oh, that makes here. it sound ancient. Blasting their tunes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. So kind of right in the middle of the, these waves, or like on the scale of waves, are what we see. So the visible spectral waves. So rainbow colors, you know, red to violet. And then right on the other side of red is infrared. Yeah, so like infrared light. And then on the other side of the rainbow is ultraviolet. So we're kind of thinking between violet that we see and then into the ultraviolets, which are very powerful wavelengths. Hmm. That, that makes sense. Me trying to talk about science is It a sounds very great, Nat. And isn't ultraviolet the rays that will give you the melanoma? <laughs> yeah, yes. The melanoma. The melanoma. Good point. The infamous melanoma. Um, so that's what violet can do. Well, <laughs> very, very powerful, not always in a positive way. But in terms of, like, the difference just in the way we see violet and purple like the hardest color one of the hardest colors for the eye to see yeah it's it's kind of kind of complicated because you have like like when you think about the rainbow and like what we all learned in kindergarten like the roy g biv you have indigo violet Mm. which indigo is like this really like kind of blue purple yeah and and then and then there's violet and they're at least in the way we're taught the rainbow two separate things in terms of their their wavelengths on the vi- visual spectrum mm-hmm. of light mm-hmm. but when but we all we we lump it all into purple but one thing i read was that when you're just looking at it as as a color that violet is usually a lot less saturated than purple and as violet brightens up it looks more blue Whereas a purple mm-hmm. color, like what Natalie was saying with the whole um, composite color, mm-hmm. like a purple color that's a composite of red and blue light doesn't do that. As it gets brighter, it just looks like a brighter purple. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. No, it does make sense. And I think, I don't know, this might just be my like insanely visual brain, but the way I think of it is on the wavelength, purple's nowhere near red. They're at opposite ends. So it really, the fact that, that we view it as somewhere between red and blue has nothing to do with it on a spectral scale. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if we're mixing colors, then it's red and blue. But on the scale, it's separate. It has nothing to do yeah. with red. And it's not made up of red and blue. Mixed. I think that's like the first thing that is talked about when you're doing any kind of like color theory mm-hmm. is the difference between the visible spectrum and how light merges mm-hmm. and, and creates colors and like pigments and yeah. how we mix exactly. pigments. Yeah. So those two are very, they have their own set of laws. Yeah. But people, I think, get them confused often. Totally. And it's kind of interesting that we didn't get to that in our color theory episode. Now that I'm thinking of it. Yeah. So there was I too much to talk much about. about. We were so. too busy crying about Van Gogh and... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I guess it's good that the colors are getting their own separate episodes because we still have a lot to say. So exciting. So, um, yeah, this whole idea of um, purple and violet and where they kind of fit in in the spectral as a spectral color. And then the rarity of it. So the way that it's difficult to kind of see as light and sometimes people have difficulty identifying it. And then also just that it's really sparse in nature. And this kind of plays into the idea that it's rare, which inherently makes it valuable to humans, because that's what we think. If mm-hmm. we, if we mm-hmm. can't get a lot of something, 
and then we want it really badly. So once we start seeing purple more, not more in nature, but enough to recognize it, and people learn how to turn it into pigments and all of this good stuff, it becomes associated very quickly with wealth, with luxury, with royalty, with religion and power, basically. But it also kind of just has this like really, you know, there's like all of the earthly power related associations, but there's also this intense spirituality and that can kind of be connected to more of the cosmos light, like spectral side of the color, kind of the violet versus like this deep, deep purple that you'll see a little more in the pigments. And yeah, and so it gets these associations with like magic and mystery and creativity, not just earthly wealth. So you get kind of like these two opposite sides of the same coin that come with rarity. Yeah, that's what I have to say about purple. And my nails are really dark purple right now, and I really like it. Oh yeah, my chin nails are purple. (laughs) Oh, wait, wait. Mine are purple too. What? But they're barely hanging on. (laughs) Barely hanging on. Mine are black. Um, but I'm wearing purple. purple. I have yeah. a purple. You know what? Speaking of black, can I just say that I would love to do an episode on black? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, sure. sure. Yeah, that's or, of course speaks to me. <laughs> yeah, and other than that, um, pass, yeah. passing it on. <laughs> so, so that's kind of how that works in in physics world. Some other associations, like Natalie just mentioned, obviously royalty, mystery, magic. In Catholicism, especially, it's related to like piety. It also has a connection to eroticism and seduction. Yes, which we are going <laughs> to talk about later. Oh with yeah, one of our yes. favorite <laughs> erotic <hobbies>. gods. <laughs> erotic god who hails from erotic city. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll keep you, we'll keep you guessing on that one. We haven't yeah, figured it out. They yet. have no idea. <laughs> But okay, so a little more history on the color purple. The color purple, which we did def- like, we did define as different from violet. However, tones of violet are part of this conversation too, as well. It all kind of started with Tyrian purple. What's the Tyrian? The Tyrian, actually, not to be confused with our favorite game Lannister. Of- yes, <laughs> exactly. I don't out of the loop. Yeah, completely. Sorry, Jen. Game of Thrones. I I never watched it. Can't believe it. Um, the reason it's called Tyrian purple is because it came from ancient. Was it Tyria? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, Phoenicia, which is modern day Lebanon, but the two cities, the two cities were Tyre and Sidon. Um, so that's where Tyrian comes from. So kind of backing up a little bit, there is some like Tyrian purple is the first real like purple color, purple pigment. But there is some suggestion that some prehistoric cave art was made from kind of a purple hue um, that came from sticks of manganese and hematite powder. Oh, yeah. And I think that's kind of debatable because we're also like dealing with it so much later. So some people look at it as purple and some people are like, no, it's like brown. Yeah. Um, but so that's that's a possibility as the first, you know, purple. But this Tyrian purple, it's kind of like the lapis lazuli of purple. Yes. And we talked we talked about lapis lazuli. Say la- no more. <laughs> I understand completely. Jenny's <laughs> got it. Um, and hopefully if you listen to our color theory part one episode, you get it too. Lapis lazuli is kind of like with this really important stone that's super rare, super rare, created this really <laughs> beautiful blue that that was 
yeah, revered and exclusive. It was very exclusive. So that's kind of what Tyrion Purple is. Like I said, it first came on the scene 15th century BCE with the ancient Phoenicians. And it's made of the secretion of sea snails. Ooh, yeah. Murex sea snails, to be exact. I'm about to look them up. I need to know what they look like. <laughs> um, they look like snails. Um, <laughs> well, um, spoiler alert. But, so this, this secretion that these snails have is a mechanism of predatory behavior, and it's also used as an antimicrobial... Micro, microbial. Mm. Antimicrobial. Microbial. Yeah. Um, Got it, baby. Lining for oh. egg masses. Oh, wow. Beautiful. Oh, they that's are. a really pretty picture. Wow. Oh, wow. They're going to post this. Yeah. They're, actually, they're pretty. They're, they're actually super beautiful. I uh, thought it was going to look like a little piece of. Yeah. Poop. <laughs> a little poop. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a really. This is the picture I was. Oh, at before, but, um, very cool, you guys. Very cool. Get excited. So they're these Murex sea snails. And the secretion that comes out of them is this Tyrian purple. And to get the secretion, you basically have to agitate these sea snails. So this isn't like animal Aww. friendly at all. Poor babies. Um, and you can, I mean, you can kind of just like poking them and stuff, like <laughs> poking at them. But what people typically did because it was easier was just crush them. Yeah. Let's just crush all the sea, sea snails. No. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is a little bit of a bummer. Now, where it gets even more interesting is they don't really produce a lot of the secretion. There was actually a study in 2008 by Paul Friedander. He basically did this himself. He crushed 12,000 snails. Shit. 12,000. And he got 1.4 grams of pure Tyrian purple dye. What? Yeah. What a dick. <laughs> What? Uh, so basically enough to dye a handkerchief. Go mix some oh. red and some blue together. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so yeah, so this is... <laughs> oh. He's supposed to look really annoyed. He looks very sad. Natalie Natalie made this great little doodle. We're, we're about to post it on the Instagram. Of, um, oh, it's a horrible drawing. Of, no. someone, of someone poking a sad little sea snail. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'll post it on Instagram for you. But um, what is kind of interesting, so obviously these sea snails don't produce a lot. Once again, speaking to the rarity of this dye, it was hard to get dye, like get a substantial amount of dye. What's kind of interesting is, like I said, this started in the ancient sites of um, Tyre and Sidon, and they have found mountains of empty shells. In I the, don't doubt in it. In these sites um, to kind of speak to the amount of snails that they crushed Shit. to make their purple things um oh. yeah so i mean kind of a bummer yeah so that's that's where it all started obviously very rare very hard to get this color thus making it very expensive so we have already setting up this whole purple is the color of wealth and um royalty and it costs money and we see that in multiple cultures throughout history starting with the great cleopatra i love her so much um <laughs> even though she's killing hell with snails but um so in the color theory episode when i was talking about blue lapis lazuli and i was talking about how cleopatra wore eyeshadow 
ground from Lapis Lazuli, and I was like, you know, it was cool if she did it. So same same logic. She <laughs> was all about purples. So you know, it was fucking cool and luxurious and seductive she was all about and powerful. All and, of the luxurious yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah, she had purple sails on all her ships, dyed with the guts. Of snails. Yes, (laughs) queen. She had purple furniture covers, again, dyed with snails. And her palace was lined with purple stone. And this really kind of catapulted into, like, purple being more of a symbol of, like, royalty and power and luxury. Uh, Especially when Caesar was in Egypt and he defeated Pompey. And then he goes to her palace and she throws a big old lavish meal and they have sex. And then he goes back to Rome and he's like, hey, I defeated Pompey. I slept with Cleopatra. Here I am in my purple toga, dyed with snail guts. Like, only I can wear this. And that's like how you start seeing all these like Roman emperors wearing these purple togas and purple becoming more and more and more this symbol, this color of power that like not everyone was entitled to wear. You could only wear it if you really had the claim to it. Or if yeah. you were banging Cleopatra. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she got around. She was a very um, sexual woman. She was. Yeah. But I don't think everyone got purple. So that was like you the, to, black, yeah. co- like the black credit card club of banging Cleopatra. Yeah. You had to break it off real good to get the purple toga. But yeah, so, you know, <laughs> that's just yeah. one example. And and in particular, like the, the purple stone, and I... I might pronounce this incorrectly again. Porphyry? Porphyry. Yeah, yeah that sounds great. Cool. Porphyry stone. And so this is the same stone that later Byzantine emperors would use to line their palaces as well. And this led, this led <laughs> to an expression called born in the purple. And this essentially indicated someone that was born into this kind of wealth and privilege and power. And so it just kind of shows this trail of purple as being a color that signifies power and luxury and wealth. They used purple to decorate like the the rooms where children would be born in the Byzantine Empire. So like you legitimately were like born into this purple room. Hmm. Yeah, in in addition to like this idea of being born into royalty, it also being born in the purple meant it separated an emperor that was like born into it from an emperor that maybe like won a conquest or like military battle. If you're born in the purple, it's almost like a purer way of being an emperor, I guess you could say. Less blood. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. It's that, yeah, it's that imperial, like, you know. Birthright. Yeah, birthright. Exactly, exactly. Um, This purple was uh, the imperial color of the Byzantine Empire, as well as the Holy Roman Empire. As well as, I just learned, Japanese aristocracy. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So as Ginny was kind of saying, this purple was restricted, like, just to very important people. And that goes for its production, too. Like, you had to be important to even produce this purple. Like, you had to be important to produce it. You had to be important to wear it. It was very restricted. And doing so outside of these restrictions could result in really strict punishment. Like, you could be punished for it. Yeah, wasn't there a whole thing during... I forget which emperors it was, but there were Roman emperors who banned 
anyone from wearing purple other than them. And I think it was mm-hmm. Nero that it was yeah. by punishment of death. Yeah. That sounds like something Nero. Exactly. Yeah. It had to be Nero. And but... only Caesar, like when he came back in those pur- purple robes, he's like, only I can wear these. Yeah. <laughs> Likewise, Charlemagne was crowned while wearing the, the Tyrian purple. And he was buried in it as well. So it's just basically emperors were just like, this yeah. is this is my color. It's an um, elegant color. It, it, it is. It, it's a great color. It evoked royalty and elegance and luxuriousness. And mystery, too, at the same time. Intrigue. Intrigue, exactly. This is the color of, <laughs> of many empires. And after the fall of Constantinople to the Ottoman Turks in 1453, this color starts to lose imperial status for a while. Mm. Um, it kind of fades away. Which brings us into the Middle Ages and the Renaissance, where the color at this point comes more to be associated with, it still has a pretty strong association with people higher up in the ranks, but it's not this hardcore imperial color at this point in time. It, um, it's associated with like the lesser clergy of the church, such as bishops and archbishops wear purple. It's also academics wear it, so professors in these early mm. universities. Also in Renaissance paintings, angels and the Virgin Mary are often portray- portrayed wearing purple or violet robes. One example, which we'll post on the website, would be Giotto's Madonna and Child. She's all in these purple robes. I do love me some Giotto. You gotta. Mm-hmm. Do. You gotta. You gotta love Giotto. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that is the catchphrase of this episode. I wish wow, I had thought so about for my favorite. You are. Yeah. You're always on top of it with the catchphrases. So you love it. Um, <laughs> I want that little air horn. Like, meow, meow, meow. <laughs> bring that up like every time that we get like the catchphrase yeah yeah they have an app now where you can press the app on your phone and you get the air horn oh that'd be great (laughs) (laughs) that was our catchphrase for the day (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so that's kind of the situation in the middle ages and the renaissance still though even though it's not hardcore aristocratic imperial it's still only for rich people it's still only for people that are like higher up your common person does not have access to purple and this is pretty much the situation until 1856 so 19th century it's a long time that purple is not available to people Mm -hmm. um and then what happens in 1856 is this this young chap named william henry perkin He's a chemistry student. He develops, in his little chemistry lab, he develops a purple shade that we now know as mauve. Mm, I love that color. It's a good, it's Mm, a good good color. color. He develops it and it's, it's affordable, it's easy to produce, and as a result, it becomes fashionable and affordable for others in the late 1800s. So that's when it kind of, becomes a color that, that us common folk get to enjoy mm-hmm. um, and is not strictly aristocratic any longer. I appreciate that. Thanks, William Henry Perkin. Yeah, um, I like that color. I, 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 like it, I like it too. I wouldn't be able to wear this tank top right now if it wasn't for you, bro. Not that this is mauve, but... Well, you guys can't see it, but it's very lovely. It's a lovely <laughs> hue, and um, we appreciate Corey for uh, dressing for the occasion. <laughs> Thank you, Corey. No problem. 
No problem. I got you. You guys all coordinated your your nail polish, though. I feel out of the loop on that. I didn't mean to. Just coincidence. This pedicure is a month old, girl. <laughs> yeah, mine's at least at least a month. It's Oops. ridiculous how long I leave my toenail polish on. Like it it lasts well, for quite a while. I can't go a week with my fingernails painted because I just pick them all off because I'm just like a little neurotic weirdo. But on my toes, they last forever. Forever, yeah. I'm not picking at my toes because I'm yeah. not an animal. Yeah. <laughs> so pedicures last a very long time. Yeah, mm-hmm. for real. So that's kind of some of the basics of the history of the color purple. Jumping a little bit more into the art world, purple was popular among different art movements. So purple was really popular among the pre-Raphaelites. Oh, they loved all that stuff. Yeah. (laughs) They loved it. All that stuff. They really liked it. As did the Impressionists. Um, Ah, yes. In fact, oh, oh, the Impressionists. In fact, the Impressionists were once accused as having violetomania. Wow. Which is... Quite the term. That's so cool. I know. Violetomania. I have a quote from Monet where he's just he's just stoked on purple. And awesome. I know. And he goes, I have finally discovered the true color of atmosphere. It's violet. Fresh air is violet. Wow. wow. Which is pretty cool. And this actually connects back to our sciencey stuff from earlier. Claude Monet's seeing Violet in the air and all these like impressionist paintings he's doing in these landscapes and such. Was he tripping? Was he (laughs) on to something? (laughs) He was on to something. Something we call atmospheric perspective. You know how the mountains look purple? You know how Mm -hmm, mountains appear mm -hmm. purple? Especially, you know, at like dusk or dawn, you know, times when, when the sun is low. Mountains tend to appear purple. The reason is because it's basically atmospheric perspective in action. What happens is the way the light's falling on the mountains, it's the blue of the sky meets the color of the mountains. And in terms of the visual spectrum of light, you end up with this like violet. You see a violet. You see violet. <laughs> you see it, guys. You see you see the violet. Well, you know what is really interesting is Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci was doing that. I don't yeah. know why I couldn't say his name. In some of his paintings, like the Mona Lisa, the background, he uses that atmospheric perspective. Yeah, yeah. It makes the background, like, hazy. Sumato. Uh, oh, there it is. That's it. That's the word. That's the one. <laughs> And a, a bunch of his paintings do that, actually, so... No, he was the godfather of atmospheric perspective. God, just he, killing it. Killing it. Killing it. He definitely figured that shit out, like, love, way before him, before anyone. So that's kind of why mountains appear purple, and that's why uh, Monet was all, all on to... He was all about purple and atmosphere and it being the color of atmosphere. Also, it was a favorite color of Gustav Klimt. Which <gasps> not gold? Well, <laughs> yeah, I think really. he, he, he was into the gold too. But I <laughs> mean, like, pinch. but gold and purple. He likes work. expensive colors. Friends. Yeah, gold and purple are friends. They are such good um, friends, and which which makes sense yeah. why he would he would yeah. enjoy both of those. There's also some really good Rothkos that are just shades of purple. Mm. Some of my like favorite ones. Those are the ones where you get like. You get spiritual with it when you're looking into those. <laughs> that makes sense with what he thought about his paintings. Like yeah. the way that he interpreted their meanings and stuff. That he would get into the spiritual, the most spiritual color. Yeah. 
for real. Yeah, no, there's a couple of them where it's just different shades of purple, like interacting with one another, and they're beautiful. Rothko all the way. So those are some of the uh, expressions of purple in art history that are common. Purple has also had a pretty serious history with social movements. It kind of left the connection with royalty during the Renaissance after the Ottomans took over the Byzantine Empire, but it re-emerged in the 20th century. So we reconnect with this idea with, of royalty, royalty, embracing purple, wearing purple, all of that. Then in the early 1900s, it's associated with women's suffrage. What? what? Um, oh, rock on, the vote. I got rock that. that vote. I got the... Okay, hold on, hold on. Okay. Women's suffrage. <laughs> yes. Um, I want that on my phone. Yeah, it's right perfect. Now. Uh, women's suffrage along with <laughs> along with so green and white. Those were like the three colors that associated hey. with that movement. <laughs> and then it continued into the feminist movement of the 1970s. They kept those colors. So as as a feminist podcast, we've got to be repping the colors of the feminist movement, obviously. <laughs> I can't stop. It's what is that one called? I want it now, too. I need it for Android. Uh, Hamhorn. <laughs> Hamhorn. Shout out to Hamhorn. You guys. Ham sponsor us. Just sponsor us. Hey, Hamhorn. Sponsor us, please. We'll use you in every single podcast. I promise. <laughs> like, uh, the most inopportune <laughs> moments. Oh, man. Yeah, so it, it was associated with women's suffrage, which is dope. Continued to be associated with a feminist movement, also dope. And then it also came in the 70s, along with the feminist movement, really just came to be associated with counterculture in general. And we're going to talk about that a lot more when we get to the music history portion of our discussion. Yes, um, can't wait! Because there's, purple was big. Purple was big in, in the 70s and then into the 80s, and for sure. <laughs> Nearly as crisp. Uh, <laughs> I got the muffled ham horn. <laughs> muffled ham horn. Uh, hey, ham horn. <laughs> figure it out. out. You need to figure it out on Android. Why does it sound so it's, bad? It's great on iPhone, but you really need to work it out on Android. Um, oh, we just lost our sponsorship. <laughs> so it's associated with counterculture. And then in recent years... Purple has definitely come to be one of the uh, colors of LGBTQ rights. Yeah. Wearing purple to support LGBTQIA, in addition to, because the rainbow is, mm -hmm. is a really common one, but purple is also a color associated with that cause, which, once again, do we want to get the ham horn out? Because we can get behind that one. I mean, but you guys are going to make fun of my ham horn, <laughs> Man, you know. Um, I, I happen to really enjoy my ham horn. Let's give it another try. Okay. So, um, purple is associated with LGBTQ rights. <laughs> I'm fighting in your hand. All right. So, <laughs> in, the last, in the last century, purple is associated with some dope social movements. We can kind of put it at that. Quick, some things on religion. Purple... It's a big color in Catholicism. To Pope? Yeah, it's priests wear it to represent penitence. 
So when they're when you're doing confession, if you're Catholic and you go in for confession, the priest is going to be wearing purple, and they, it's also worn during Lent. It's a big Lenten color. Mm. So in Catholicism, currently it's it's a a pretty important color. The New Age circle, so like Wicca and oh, such. Yes. Yes. So I did a little bit of research because I've been getting more and more into that like Wicca yeah, stuff. Yeah, you did. You dude, witchy babe. Dude, I found this amazing podcast that I want to give a shout out to called hippie witch <gasps> you all need to check it out Ooh. she's fantastic she's out of la so maybe like if you're listening maybe we can like meet up or something and do like a collabo hippie witch um, we want to meet you she's fantastic she's absolutely great and she's like really cool and into like wicca and also like i've only listened to a few episodes but it actually has really good crossover into what we talk about because she talks a lot about like mythology and mm-hmm. like just different archetypes and things that are found in visual art a lot so it mm-hmm. it's a really solid Crossover. podcast check it out so in wicca purple can have a lot of meanings because wicca the fun thing about wicca is it's kind of a like diy religion like it's kind of like there are guidelines but it's like but kind of do what makes you feel good so it's pretty nebulous but some of the stuff i found uh, purple represents self-esteem spirituality transformation and healing nobility and enlightenment and higher consciousness which all kind of associates with the things we said before the historical basis for purple also this actually reaches back to what we talked about in our color theory episode where we talked about blue Uh we we had a quick little bit about the chakras Mm -hmm. so once again this is interesting oh yeah 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 because it connects to the color spectrum in the way we were talking about earlier you have the third eye chakra, which is indigo, and that chakra is meant to open consciousness and awareness of higher planes. And then the the highest chakra is the crown chakra, which mm. is violet. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm just... It lasts so long. <laughs> so the chakras obviously are in alignment with the visible color spectrum. We've got the indigo and the violet, and purple plays with both of those. But the crown chakra is violet, and it represents wisdom, being one with the world, and seeking spiritual fulfillment. Is that the highest chakra? That is the highest chakra. God damn, yes. Right? Purple is the highest chakra, and if you're working on your crown chakra, you are working towards spiritual fulfillment. So, oh, damn, dude, I yeah. need to start working on my crown chakra. I know. So I've been, I've been working on those base desires. <laughs> the base chakras? The base chakra. What, what are they? Like the low ones? Um, red is. Well, one of them is like the base chakra. Yeah. I can't remember. It's not important, but, you know. It is important, though. It is important. Well, I mean, we're going to talk about it later, but the crown chakra. If you have time, is, is work, on your, work on your chakras a little bit. That, I think, is actually a great segue into purple and music because oh. we, we're we going to spend a nice solid amount of time talking about someone who undoubtedly had his crown chakra figured out. Like he was... when As a young lad. Yeah, he was... He had all of his chakras in alignment. He was... Oh, yeah. God. Fuck yeah. He had it figured Ooh. out. So I'm going to oh. pass this... Oh, don't do it. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm going to pass this over to Ginny and we're going to talk about... Prince. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> the worst thing you guys ever did was let me start <laughs> pressing that, that fucking button. <laughs> oh 
my god. I have so many things I want to say too. So okay, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna move out of the way. Yeah, okay, well, Jen and I are both going to talk about Prince because he's we're obsessed with he's our, he's like our shared boyfriend. He was in life, and he certainly is in death. Yeah, like he's, he's our shared dead boyfriend. Yeah, and, and that's he, just the way he's it is. beyond that shit, anyways. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. like if I honestly. If I've ever been concerned about anyone after they died, like, I'm not concerned about Prince. No. Like, he's fine He's right okay. Now. Yeah. Did, he's you guys see, did you guys see yeah. that image? It was um, the day that Prince died, when the sun set, it was a majestic purple sky as the sun was setting. And somebody took a picture and posted it on their Instagram and said that, you know, Prince... In typical fashion, um, he couldn't just die, you know. He really couldn't. He couldn't just die. (laughs) He really, he he left the world a more purple place. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you think of Prince, you really, I mean, I'm sure you think of a lot of great things about him. But one of them, namely, is the color purple. And this is for a lot of different reasons, mainly that he really incorporated purple into his kind of visual style aesthetic. Like, it's it's everywhere. And especially, like, in the 90s, the 80s and the 90s, Prince was getting really interested in the apocalypse. And, you know, like, the 1999, like, that's all about just, like, fucking partying. Like, the world is going to end. The cover, I have, like, a really moderate record collection. And, unfortunately, the only Prince album I have is 1999. I'll get more. But it's purple as fuck with a lot of cool (laughs) letters. At least one of them is incredibly phallic. Two of the numbers have Prince's eyes. (laughs) That's a penis. We'll post some images of it because there's um, photos on the inside. There's one of Prince naked in a bed. So Painting with watercolor in gloves. He has the cutest little butt. It's great. It's great. Prince makes me feel all kinds of conflicting emotions. Yeah. Have you experienced this? Yeah. Yeah. I look at him and, and I want to be him but I want to be on him and it's just really confusing um and I think he does that to like the great majority of people yeah like all sexes all yeah all sexual orientations like they're just like prince yeah like yes it's just totally totally well back to um, this idea of of where Prince got the idea to be like associated with purple. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the apocalypse. Yeah. And I think we both read the same article mm-hmm. where he essentially said that purple rain specifically referred to the mixing in the sky. Yeah. So Prince explained purple rain when there's blood in the sky, red and blue equals purple. Purple rain pertains to the end of the world and being with the one you love and letting your faith slash God guide you through the purple rain. That's so beautiful. Wow. Very and, beautiful. You know, and yeah, it's very, uh, you know, a little bit of Slayer. Um, yeah. Like rainy totally, blood. totally. Mm-hmm. Rainy blood. <laughs> and it takes you a while to even like fully, because like the first time I read that, I was like, okay, what the fuck are you talking about, Prince? But then you're like thinking about it more and you're just like, okay. So it's like the end of the world, and there's blood in the sky, because it's the end of the world, right? (laughs) And the sky's blue, and then they come together, and it makes purple, and it's raining, and all you want to do is just dance in it with, like, 
your special person and be Aww. like, well, the shit's going to hell in a handbasket, but, uh, like, here we are. I it's, love it. It's a really, like, lovely, yeah, uh, frightening, but lovely that, that just made me feel, like, devastatingly, like, sad. And, and sappy, and, kind of, though, but too. It, but, like, happy I, at the same time? Sappy, I don't know. Sappy. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, yeah. what else can you do in that scenario yeah. but, like, fucking dance in that purple rain? Yeah. Purple rain. Ugh. So good. It's so good. So that's like one of the major connections between Prince and the color purple. But you can also see it emerging like earlier than the Purple Rain album, Purple Rain single, Purple Rain movie. So clearly it was like an interest for Prince in this color purple. And just, I mean, it's pretty fitting because he is like such an enigmatic like genius that there are multiple kind of conjectures to why Prince chose purple. One of them, if you take like a really punny approach, it's like purple rain. You can spell it R-E-I-G. And I'm like, oh, yeah. and obviously rain. his name is Prince. So the royal connotation there is not lost on anyone. Yeah. And he was the Prince of Pop. Sorry, Michael. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it was Prince. Sorry. Prince was... Sorry. Sorry, not I'm not sorry. sorry. You know what? My... Rude. Interesting, interesting little side note also about the Michael Jackson-Prince <laughs> relationship. Um, Relations. Prince refused... To do a tour with Michael Jackson. And he refused to be on the song Beat It. Uh-huh. Because <laughs> Prince is so fucking dope. Um, <laughs> so he, he was supposed to be on the song Beat It. And, like, the one of the lyrics in Beat It is, like, <laughs> your ass is mine. Your ass and is mine. And Prince was like, I don't know whose ass he's talking about, but I wasn't going to be part of that. <laughs> I'm probably not quoting that directly. If you right. just, if you look up, we'll post it too. We it's will. Dope. Yeah. Not that it, I mean, it's just a funny aside. But <laughs> Prince, yeah, Prince thought Michael had, was too weird for him. He yeah. Was like, nah. Prince just had so much. Um, he, kind of, he turned out uh, to be in a lot of ways. No, he yeah, did. Of course, of course, of course. But like Prince, Prince just knew. had such a presence and like such an attitude and such like I mean, he was such a visually like cultivate like so conscious of like how he represented himself like visually in his like album artwork and like how he was on stage and purple was really like an integral part of that and like another thing that I came across for like why particularly purple was really big for him so Prince is from Minnesota Midwest Um, represent and I don't know anything about football because I hate it, but um, <laughs> so the Vikings, which yeah, that's, are that's a team, are the, the, min- the Minneapolis. Wow, Minnesota, Minnesota. Minnesota they're they're out of Minneapolis, okay. but they don't, they don't call them that. No, they're the Minnesota Vikings. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they don't, Minnesota only have one, right? I know that yeah. much. <laughs> Minnesota yeah. has like one Vikings. And they're, they're yeah, because being from the Midwest, like we have a team in Illinois, we have a team in Minnesota. And Wisconsin. Did you guys know that Corey's from the Midwest? I'm from I'm from the Midwest. Um, and and I'm also very very proud of the fact that Prince is from the Midwest, as he was. 
He True. repped Minnesota like he purified himself was a- in the <laughs> waters of Lake Minnetonka. He has, and I still, I'm going to take you all to the Midwest, and we're going to go purify ourselves in the waters of I'll Lake Minnetonka. I need, I, I won't need say to. no. Lake Minnetonka is no. delightful. You I'll wear a, a leather like bodysuit, and you guys will go in the summer. It's I'll wear warm nothing. In the summer. Oh, fine. <laughs> I'll wear nothing. I will wear nothing. But back to the Vikings. <laughs> this team. Right? So their colors are purple and gold. And as being a proud Minnesotan, Minnesotan, he loved the Vikings and he even wrote a song for them Aww, in 2010 sweet. called Purple and Gold. Oh, really so these are just some of the articles that I came across that talked yeah. about the this connection of purple. And like I said, I mean, we can't say for sure. And I really think that that was intended by Prince because he was a mysterious, cool dude. And he still is because that mystery is just like so magical. He, and he's there, he didn't die. He just transcended. Oh, yeah. he totally did. And is there any color more mysterious than purple? Because no. you have to pick one yeah, to represent it? mystery. It's purple. It was like, the right yeah. color. It and was. his name is Prince. Prince. Like shit. You know? <laughs> Prince. Yeah. So, um, in short, this episode is dedicated to Prince. <laughs> it really born, is. Born Prince Rogers Nelson in, in 1958, <laughs> Minneapolis, we miss you, Prince. We really do. We, we, we were really we were listening to Erotic City before we started recording. Great song. If you haven't heard it, look it up. Controversy, mm-hmm. the whole album. Mm-hmm. Learn it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do me, baby. <laughs> God damn it! What a great song. All the all the popular ones. You know, all the doves were them. crying. All the doves. All the doves. I turned into a dove and I cried the day that Me Prince too. died. No, we got the news together. We were sitting in our TA class together. <gasps> yeah. And we both like teared up a little bit. Yeah, Corey and I, I were totally TA-ing. cried. And you know I don't cry that often. Yeah, yeah. No, it's Corey and I cry all the time, but <laughs> still we were we were TAing um a design class together um last quarter. Yeah. And we found out and we all said no. And then our lovely professor played Prince. She over did. The and it was like a happy Prince song. It was really nice. And that's the thing that's so cool about Prince because when you listen to most of those songs, they're fucking happy. Yeah. And they make you want to like dance and just have a good time. Prince and that's makes what me, we yeah. should remember. Yeah. Prince makes sure. me happy and horny and, and just <laughs> yeah. sexy feeling. And yeah. Feeling I good. Feeling confident. I couldn't yeah. ask for anything more so prince thank you i hope you're like watching down on us i hope you send us a lot of purple vibes over the next year while we're writing our theses and working on this podcast all of your purple vibes we love you peace um oh oh, wait we still need to talk about other stuff yeah we have a few other things no just kidding um yeah Just a couple of other music history notes with the color purple. I mean, obviously Prince is, he's the, not only the prince, but the king of purple. Mm. But some other important ones that kind of relate back to the whole 1970s counterculture purple being a big color. Purple Haze by Jimi Hendrix. Yes. That's, purple Haze. Purple Haze is a big one. Oh, also, great. I'm going to just keep going with the Midwest shout outs here. Yeah. Um, Deep Purple. The band, Oof. Smoke on the Water, 
Yeah. So Deep Purple, Tommy Bolin, actually from my hometown, Sioux City, Iowa. Shout oh. out. So Midwest love all around on this episode. <laughs> um, we should have done some California research. <laughs> some Northern California research. <laughs> hey. Hey, really? I, <laughs> we dropped the ball, guys. No, it's fine. You know what? You guys California wanna... gets plenty of attention. Yeah, Midwest doesn't get enough attention. Everyone's always talking about California. Like, let's talk about Minneapolis. So, yeah. You know. <laughs> Why not? Um, so, so, yeah. So, those are just some other notable uses of purple in the 1970s counterculture, the music scene, all of that, and kind of connects with these these ideas of mystery and and just maybe being a little different, I think, is, is mm-hmm. very yeah. Um, yeah. typical of purple. For history and such, that's pretty much all we have. A fun little contemporary tidbit. The other day, I came across this article on the internet, and I was super stoked on it. They found, because they're they're searching the bottom of the ocean a lot more oh. than they have been in recent years. There was a live feed from Mariana's Trench recently, which was so dope. I spent way too much time watching it. But Whoa. yeah, it's crazy. The shit down there is crazy, you guys. Um, no, really. The Mariana Trench is one of those places on Earth that is super mysterious and crazy. We don't know anything about it. And I can't wait to learn about all the crazy stuff. I think there's aliens living down there. No, there legitimately is. Okay, this is off topic, but actually there is, um, I read another article that says that octopi are basically, are the closest. What? In terms of molecular structure, are the closest things to aliens on Earth. Whoa! Oh my God. I know! They're probably aliens. It's crazy. Whoa! I fucking love octopi. Um, cool. I, the little um, hairs on the back of my I neck know. just stood up. But back to purple. They <laughs> recently found, this literally happened, it was the last week of July, I think. And I, like, it's so great. And we'll post a link to this on our webpage. But they found, scientists found on the bottom of the ocean, this glowing purple orb like what bioluminescent purple orb and i know and it's so great like the article is so great because one it's like two paragraphs long because they literally have no idea what it is that's awesome i know and they're just like i'm glad they didn't just like snatch it up and yeah take it away to some fucking lab i'm glad that they were like "Hmm." the suggestions are it might be some type of like weird egg sack or sure. it might be related to like a sea slug, but literally, they have no idea what it is. There's a picture of it. It's really cool. It's a glowing purple orb at the bottom of the ocean, and it's fucking weird. Whoa. And I just that's feel awesome. like I feel like that's a really good place to end things <clears throat> on, like mysterious yes! purple orb at the bottom what? of the ocean. What Mystery, is magical. I'm purple. wondering if it's maybe Prince reincarnated. Yes, Prince from the the, the Prince Nebula. <laughs> Left his egg sack in the Mary Poppins trench. I don't know. I don't he know. Have. I, I think he yeah. was out of this world. So yeah, you know. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. Anyways, it's magical and it's just cool, and I love shit like that. So we'll post it. Check it out. Yeah, and go get yourself some more purple. If your house is lacking purple, you need that. Get some purple, purple. is powerful. 
Um, purple is power. Yeah. Like some, some purple candles, you know. Also lavender. La- like my, oh, I love lavender. Everyone will speak. I carry lavender essential oil with yeah, me yeah, all was, the time. I was mm-hmm. spewing it earlier, not from my body, but from my aromatherapy <laughs> diffuser. It just mm-hmm. makes life better. Yeah. Um, yes. My tip to you Go get some lavender essential oil. I promise. Just like, puff it. Just but, do it. But dilute it first because it's rough. Yeah, it's not good. Bear on your skin. But get it. I put it bare on my skin. Oh, I just put like a drop on Just my, like, oh, yeah, yeah. I put like a, I put a drop on my um wrists and I rub it and then I'll like inhale it when I'm stressed out. I just mix it with a carrier. That works I too. Do, yeah. Okay, so purple. That's colored purple. Look forward to more color focused episodes in the future. Like I said, we're gonna kind of do them sporadically. I yeah, think. yeah. Just when we're feeling like. when we're feeling color and color is so fun. Like I had so much fun looking into the history of purple. There's so much history. There to is. colors. It's crazy and, and we only like scratch the surface like yeah colors are there's crazy so much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. they're so nuts um crazy. who would like to do our listener mail i'll do it okay cool oh there you go all right so we got listener mail from celia hey art history babes i just discovered your podcasts and they are making my day at work so much better i feel like i'm discussing art with my friends and that's amazing I just wanted to say that I love and appreciate what you do. I'm reviewing stuff, learning new things, and laughing. I only wish I could have some wine as well. Mm. Little wine emoji. It's so cute. Mm. <laughs> I know a little encouragement is always nice to hear, so here it is. Keep doing your thing. Thank you. Oh, girl. Thank you so much. That is so awesome. Okay. It, God damn it. We just love it so much. <laughs> We, we love we love all of the we listener love mail. Nice things about us. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you guys. Um, if you send the listener mail, we'll read it <laughs> and we'll give you a shout out. And it's very fun for us and um, exciting. So. And we hope you take some time, even if like I mean, I love that you're like listening to us at work and stuff. But I love to imagine our listeners out there like having a glass of wine with us and just like hanging out. Just and- put some wine in your. Like clean canteen or whatever. Yeah. yeah, no one will know. No one will know. That's like my daily life. Uh, <laughs> I've done it many times. There's no shame in my game, <laughs> ladies. Sometimes just, game. just throw a little, a little Bailey's in your coffee. Yeah. You know? you know what? Thank you for all the lovely listener mail. Um, our our lovely friend Craig followed up. Oh, he did. I he saw that. He sent us some lovely pictures from Calgary. Our Canadian friend. Oh, Our for Canadian sure. friend. Oh, so yeah. yeah. Forever up in Canada. <laughs> we'll, we'll hit you up. Thanks, Greg. He sent us some really pretty pictures. They were though. beautiful. I've been to the airport there, but that's it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's more yeah. than me. I've, yeah. I've never set foot. Me you should go to Canada, I set foot in the other side, Vancouver, all that. But I would love we'll Thank you up. all. Oh, wait. So before, very, very we, before we sign off, we oh, need of to make the shout out of our Patreon. Yeah. So new things are happening. We started a Patreon account. So what? what that means is basically if you like us and if you have a couple extra dollars you want to throw our way. That'd be amazing. No pressure whatsoever. You know what? There's no pressure. But (laughs) let us just um, put a little bit of pressure. (laughs) We love 
what we do. And you know what? We want to get better at it. And part of being better at it is um, all of us being able to um, speak into a microphone at the same time. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so that's on our list. We're trying to get um, our sound figured out better. I, I've had a couple of people make a couple little comments about like, hey, sometimes um, so-and-so sounds really far away. Yes, baby. <laughs> they are far away. <laughs> that's it, it doesn't just sound that way. Um, any sort of donations are hugely appreciated. We love you. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. In, in addition to it, we definitely want to um, improve our tech situation. And it, like, we hope to get our blog going. We hope eventually get like YouTube videos going. We want to really be able to make more of this content because we love making it. And we love that you guys love taking it in but we are also grad students and it takes time and money we're so, so broke <laughs> we're broke especially and, right now yeah yes we're, <laughs> yeah i know oh, Lord. <laughs> you just gave me anxiety sorry i'm sorry, I'm sorry. We're, we're broke and we're busy so literally any contribution you can make will make our day so if you can that'd be great patreon.com slash arthistorybabes there's also a link on our website arthistorybabes.com if you have questions or thoughts or want to contribute to the conversation arthistorybabes at gmail.com you can also find us on instagram twitter tumblr we're on everything facebook facebook like us on facebook i'm og i enjoy facebook so all of <laughs> your interactions on facebook with us I will typically be the one to be responding to you um, because I don't know how to work everything else. So. <laughs> but yeah, we're all over the place. So yeah, I mean, we love we love hearing from you. Any any type of support is great. Thank you for listening. Our our subscribers hit fifteen hundred this week, which Big was deal. I screamed. I screamed. Yeah. I saw that. I was in the bathroom. Yep. Our subscribers hit fifteen hundred this week. Woo! <laughs> um so thank you so much oh, i think I got seriously we really appreciate it you guys are great we're so excited i we can't are. believe it this, we, this is so fun this we only so want to see you yeah. laughing in the purple rain honestly honestly like, <laughs> please come find us in the purple rain i don't want to spend the apocalypse alone <laughs> <laughs> yes and, and on that, that note, and on that note we will catch you next time with our next episode, Frida Kahlo. Oh, baby. Oh, you oh, have wait, no wait, wait. idea how excited I am. It's going to be... It's going down. Am I doing the horn again? Are we yeah. doing the horn? Next Frida Kahlo. Next, next episode. episode. Yeah, come on, girl. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be lit, fam. <laughs> trying to act like I know new age terminology. <laughs> you youngins. All right, thanks so much, guys. We'll catch you next time. The art history, babes. And we see that in multiple cultures throughout history, starting with the great Cleopatra. I love her so much. Um, <laughs> even though she's killing hell with snails. But, um... <laughs>